1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On the Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. You're listening to 105.9 The Region, and welcome to On the Market. This is York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host and real estate expert is Asif Khan with REMAX Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. Well, here we are, the last weekend of March, and what's it been looking like on the market? March has been, actually for York Region, it has been great, and we are on pace to beat sales for York Region by about 12.5%. Now, we've been talking a lot about inventory over the last couple of months. Inventory is on pace to be down 13%. Wow. So not only are sales going up, we are short on inventory, which is going to result in multiple offers, bidding wars. It's going to result in you know, a very similar market to how 2009 started out. And so do you want to drill down to some of those areas across the region? Are there areas that are hotter than others? Pretty much across the board, York Region's been really hot. Uh, Aurora has been relatively hot. But when you're looking at Markham, Vaughan, Richmond Hill, East Gwillimbury, you've got, you've got all of these areas that are showing a lot of activity compared to last year. And last year, March wasn't too bad. So when, when you look at it, this year, you're you're still on pace to break the numbers from last March. And at the same time, with the inventory coming down, prices are going to have some upward pressure, and it's going to start to push them up. And what did that price look like? The average price in different areas, like if you're looking at Markham, you're back around the million-dollar mark for an average price. Now, take into consideration how many condos are selling. So if you take condos out of the equation, you're back up to the one 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 point two million dollar mark for homes. So all of this pressure that's being uh, put towards pricing, it's going to drive. It's going to continue to drive them up. If you look at what's selling, you're you're starting to see a lot of the the condos that used to sell for four hundred and twenty, four hundred and thirty thousand. Now they're starting to sell for four fifty, four seventy. So even in condos, there's a lot of upward pressure for price. And what does that price get you these days, whether it's in a condo or in a house? So if you're looking at the 450 price range, you're going to get a one bedroom, maybe a one plus one in downtown Markham. Same with Vaughn. You're starting to see prices, you know, edge towards the $500,000 range for a one plus one in Vaughn because the subway is there now. You're starting to see uh, upward pressure even on condos. And for houses, you're, you're starting to see that return of the townhouse going for eight fifty, nine hundred thousand, and detached homes, 1.2 million range. And what about luxury homes? Because there are pockets throughout the region where that luxury home uh, neighborhood is, um, you know, is quite prevalent. So what does that look like in terms of that area of the business? You know, there's not a, a huge amount of luxury home sales, but now what you're seeing with the luxury homes is the multifamilies moving back in. So not only do you have, you know, the, the family unit plus the parents moving in, sometimes you have them renting out the basement to someone else or bringing a nanny in. So that's starting to move as well, and it's more prevalent now with multifamilies. And, you know, it's funny because one of our listener questions coming up a little bit later on in the show 
um, asked that question specifically about how do I accommodate not only my in-laws, but the kids that are coming back from university. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that, don't you think? Well, especially with uh, the price point climbing upwards. And, you know, it was really disappointing with the federal budget not addressing anything. We, we wanted to see more, uh, you know, in terms of what millennials can afford or, or some sort of help for millennials to purchase their own properties. But you're going to start to see them, you know, come back from university and, and move in with the parents and live there longer. So we've talked about what March looks like. What about looking ahead to April and May? April and May are going to continue. You know, as long as inventory starts coming down, you have a huge opportunity as a seller to put your home on the market and, and benefit. Like usually in springtime, you have a lot of competition. You don't have uh, you, you don't have that exclusivity that you do in late February or March. But with inventory coming down now, it's a great time to list your home because you don't have the same amount of competition that you had in previous years for an April or a May. So you're going to start to see activity and and remember all the pent up demand from last year. Last year we only had you know just over seventy thousand homes sold in the Toronto Real Estate Board. So there's a lot of pent up demand there as well. You're starting to see people jump the gun in January and February because or had had jumped the gun in January and February and March because they were waiting for the entire year and the the negativity that surrounded the market none of that actually came to fruition and people started saying well i i need to get in because prices are still climbing and you saw that at the beginning of the year the first quarter was all about pent up demand and now you're going to start to see the 2019 buyers and sellers get in on the action as well so you've got a lot of activity in a short amount of time all right when we come back are you a tenant are you a landlord advice for both sides is coming up next stay with us you're listening to on the market on 105.9 the region need to connect with asif khan from remax prime properties call him 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. You're listening to 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's only radio real estate show. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Thank you, Tina. Join us next on the show are Bita and Robert DeLisi from Stonegate Legal Services. Guys, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. You know, we uh, we have so many clients that have investment properties or they're leasing out to tenants. And there's a lot of horror stories out there. Oh, there are. You know, wh- what does it take to actually kick a tenant out? Because sometimes it almost feels like you can't do it. Skill. <laughs> uh, it it uh, is a lengthy process, stressful process, and a very costly process. Um, for it can be costly for both the landlord and the tenant. Um, the eviction process, um, like I said, they have to they have to serve notices. So if a tenant is late on their rent, uh, the landlord will serve them with a form, a notice called an N4 notice to terminate tenancy for non-payment of rent. That particular notice is a 14-day notice in which the the tenant has to pay the full amount of arrears that they owe. Failing which, the landlord on the day of on the 15th day can apply to the landlord and tenant board with an L1 application to collect. Um, that application, um, the landlord and tenant board will set a hearing date, and on the date of the hearing, both the landlord and tenant will 
go to the board and come up with some sort of payment plan because uh, the board always stresses that the landlord has the, the duty to accommodate the tenant. Always, always, always. They have to give a chance to the tenant. And that's basically what can delay the process. If the tenant doesn't pay based on their agreement, they can go in front of um, an adjudicator, which is the deciding member or the judge, or they can go to mediation. Uh, they'll come up with some sort of a payment plan. And like I said, the landlord has a duty to accommodate. If the tenant fails to make a, the payments, then the, land, then the landlord can apply to the board for an order to evict. And even then, when you get the order to evict, you have to go to the sheriff's office downtown, file an enforcement order. That can take maybe two or three weeks, and then um, the, the sheriff will contact the landlord and set a date where they'll come out and evict. Does it seem like this is all in favor of the tenant? Mm, it can be. It can be, although there are some tenants out there that abuse the system. Okay, <laughs> that's right. That's why right. You have to keep in mind, the mandate of the Landlord and Tenant Board is two things, right? They protect against unlawful evictions, and they protect against unlawful rent increases, right? Even though the perception is that the Landlord and Tenant Board is always on the side of the tenant, that's not always the case. There are some landlords that are really bad landlords, just like there are some tenants that are really, really bad tenants and it's almost that you know listening to everything you just said it's hard for a landlord to do this on their own like they almost need to hire a service or, or be in touch with a service that can maybe guide them through the step-by-step procedures here Absolutely. Um, the reason why it's a little difficult for a landlord to go through with this on their own is because the landlord has an emotional tie to that property, especially when they're relying on the, the tenant to pay their rent so that they can, you know, they can pay the expenses, the mortgage, the property taxes, the utilities. And um, that's where the, when the emotions get involved and things get heated, um, Sometimes, you know, serving the paperwork can go wrong. Um, any mistakes found in the paperwork, um, it, when it's brought to the landlord and tenant board, they will get dismissed. The paperwork will get dismissed because it's not filled out correctly. Uh, on a side note, just to keep in mind, I think a lot of landlords need to remember that owning real estate for rental purposes is a business. So you have to treat it as a business. It's not a get-rich scheme. They have to, uh, obviously you know, understand the laws that are involved in owning real estate as for rental purposes. Now, you started this conversation saying that you had some horror stories. Could you share some of them with us? Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. We, uh, uh, we got a call from a landlord that uh, had a little duplex, and the tenant stopped paying his rent because uh, he lost his job, which, you know, sometimes it happens. Uh, sometimes qualifying a tenant in the beginning, you can have a triple A tenant, but then when one little thing goes wrong, they'll fall behind on the rent. And in the case of this particular landlord, this tenant lost his job um, and said he had a two-bedroom basement apartment and decided that he's going to sublet one of the bedrooms and make extra money um, and not pay his rent. So he decided to sublet uh, the second bedroom, and it led on for a few months because what happened was the landlord made an error in the application. So the N4 application had the address of the property, but the landlord failed to put the unit number, right? 
when it went to the landlord and tenant board, keep in mind that it could be a 60 days or 60 to 90 days before it goes even to the board for a hearing. In that time, the landlord has lost three months, let's say three months of rent. When it goes to the landlord and tenant board, if it goes in front of the adjudicator and they catch that error, they will dismiss an a- the application. Once it's dismissed, that landlord has to refile an N-4, that means reserve an N-4 notice to the tenant, giving them another two weeks, and then failing which, I mean, the whole process has to go all over again. And that can bring him up to six months of of unpaid rent. I think she's looking for, like, real horror stories. Real horror stories? Okay. (laughs) I'll give you one quick one. Okay. Okay. So we've had um, an eviction of a unit where when we went in, we found feces in... uh, cans of beans like empty cans under the bed and there was feces inside those cans oh my and it was our responsibility to clean the unit and we've seen stuff that's pretty common feces against the wall feces underneath the beds and this is a tenant who um you know was being spiteful angry and did these things on the way oh just you know that's how they live that's how they live and it comes down to you need to qualify the tenant properly and certain people live a certain way, and that's their standard. Okay. So well, let's that's talk opening about up a can of, yeah, and, you know, yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about how do you qualify a tenant then? You know, how do you go through that process? Well, uh, we're real estate brokers, so as, as he would understand is that, you know, no matter how much qualification you do, at the end of the day, that person can turn into a bad person. But we go or sometimes the, circumstances, as you already suggested, yes, right? That's right. Yes. But the process that we go into is obviously you put out an ad for um, the unit that you're going to be renting out. And once you get the, the, the tenant, the potential tenant, you obviously get a credit check, letter of employment, uh, pay stubs. And the credit check will give you an idea of what their financial history is about. Uh, but we like to meet them. So what we do is almost like an open house situation where especially right now with the market being the way it is, rentals being so popular, we'll do an open house where we'll get about 10, 15 tenants coming into the unit and they'll all give us their paperwork. And, you know, not to, uh, you know, how, was, how do the cops say it? When you uh, profile someone. But when you meet someone, you get a, an idea of what they're about and how they dress and stuff like that. And then we look at their paperwork and then based on their paperwork primarily is how we choose the tenant. Now, we've heard a lot about the tenants and the tenants causing uh, you know problems or, or having to be evicted. Sometimes we come across where the te- the landlord is actually the problem. Oh yeah. So how does a tenant get out of a tenancy? Okay, so the landlord is responsible to maintain the property um, in a clean and clear way for the tenants. The tenant, if they have an issue with uh, how the property is being maintained being maintained, the tenant can bring an application to the landlord and tenant board. It's actually called a T2 application for maintenance and repairs. And then take the landlord to the board and um, discuss what needs to be done. Now, if the board finds the landlord is in violation, then they can they will award the tenant with remedies. Some of these remedies can be um, an abatement of rent. Uh, they can also put a hold on any rent increases until the re- repairs are made. They will actually order the tenant, sorry, order the landlord to do these repairs and provide the board pictures that the repairs have been completed. Uh, This is the way the tenant can recoup some money from maintenance and repairs not being done. Interesting. And now with, you know, there's a lot of talk about you cannot 
discriminate against people that have pets and things like that. What happens when a tenant brings in a pet halfway through the tenancy? So the no pet provision clause, that's a really popular one. Um, a pet in the eyes of the law is seen as a piece of property. It is a property. You cannot tell someone not to bring in their property into a rental unit. Even if there's a, a lease sign that says no pets allowed and the tenant agrees, down the line, if they bring in a pet, the landlord cannot uh, evict. There's no application to evict. Wow. In fact, if a landlord discriminates, that tenant can take them to the board and file a discrimination uh, no, suit at the Human Rights Tribunal for discriminating against them for having a pet. Except for if it's an exotic pet, right? Yes. The only thing that the land landlord can do is to file an application to the board to evict if that pet is dangerous. So if it's... Um, if it's a pit bull who's, that's attacked uh, uh, another tenant or if it's a dangerous snake or a reptile of some sort that is, can be um, dangerous for the surrounding tenants, then they can apply to have that tenant evicted. And is there a difference between renting um, a condo or an apartment um, as opposed to a house? Mm, no, the only difference is the size of the rental unit. Okay. Now, if that's great information, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of questions coming out from today's show from our listeners. If they want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? They can visit us online at www.stonegatelegalservices.ca or they can join us on social media and get social with us on Facebook and Instagram at Stonegate Legal Services. That's awesome. Thank you so much for the information for joining us today. Thank, thank you. Thank you. When we come back, we get to your real estate questions and this week's hot listing. And just a reminder, if you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com and click on Schedule to find On the Market and the list of our other shows. You're listening to 1059 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm station manager Tina Cortez, and my co-host is Asif Khan with Remax Prime Properties. Time now for our listener questions, and the first one comes from Jerry in Richmond Hill. His business has outgrown the home office, and he wants to know where does he begin his search for commercial property? Are there agents who specialize in this type of property? Asif? Well, first of all, Jerry, congratulations on uh, on your business outgrowing your current space. And yeah, there are commercial agents that specialize in, in what you're looking for. What we need to find out is where you want to go with your business. Do you need retail space? Do you need, you know, commercial space, industrial space? And then what we can do is, is put something together where you can go out and take a look at some of these properties. And then it has to also meet your budget and, and what your criteria is for your business. Do you need... Uh, you know, uh, delivery doors? Do you need uh, office space as well as show, uh, showroom space? Once we know all of these, then we can actually point you in the right direction. And are there agents who specialize in this area as opposed to selling condos and houses, etc.? There is. Remax Prime Properties has a commercial department headed up by Daniel Masseroni, and he does a lot in terms of leases, but also buying buildings so that you can convert that. And, and, and maybe that's an option for Jerry where he can buy a building 
lease part of it out so that they're paying the majority of your mortgage. And at the same time, you could be operating your business in that space for free. And is the purchase different from uh, buying a residential property? What is that like? What's the process like? It really is. It takes a lot longer to get a commercial deal done. There's a lot uh, more variables that go into it. And you really need someone that knows what they're doing in the commercial landscape. Okay, our next question comes from Mary in Markham. While she thought that she would be downsizing at this point in her life, she says that, in fact, they are searching for a larger home to accommodate her elderly mother-in-law and her own children who are back from living away from home for school. Are older homes her only option when it comes to a five-bedroom home? Asif? Again, great question and and something that we touched on earlier on the show. But there's a lot of newer builders that are building five-bedroom homes you know, 3,000, 4,000, 500, uh, 5,000 square feet homes. So it depends on where you want to be. And, you know, we can, again, find some options for you. There are, traditionally, the older homes are larger. They do have the five bedrooms. But there's a lot of new builders that are recognizing that the family unit is staying together longer. And it's also expanding with extended family. So you do have those options in new homes as well. And how are builders building these new homes to accommodate that extended family? Do the homes look different? Some of them do. Some of them will have, you know, a master, uh, two master uh, bedrooms. So you've got the ensuite with the master suite. And sometimes there's two of them on the upper floor. Some of them have a main floor master bedroom as well as a master bedroom upstairs. So that would be great for, you know, senior parents that are living with you. And a lot of them are finishing basements with a nanny suite or an in-law suite. So there's lots of options available. So there are um, opportunities for different entrances in these homes. You said that maybe for the elderly to avoid stairs, they're putting bedrooms on the main floor. It sounds like developers and builders are really thinking about Um, the wants and needs of the clients out there. They are. And, you know, with a lot of uh, senior parents, they they still want their independence, even though they're living with their children. So they may want a walkout basement. So the space is brighter, it's larger, and, you know, it's self-contained so they can have their own space within the family house. So Asif, if our listeners want to connect with you directly, and Mary, Mary possibly has more questions about this expanded and larger home, how do they connect with you? Mary, give me a call at 416-985-5426. That's 416-985-CON, and we'd love to help out. Just before we go, this week's hot listing, joining us next is Heather Cooper from REMAX Prime Properties. Heather, over to you. Thank you, Tina. This week's hot listing is a spacious, semi-detached, in the high-demand Wismer community in Markham. This beautiful home features three bedrooms, three bathrooms, nine-foot ceilings. It's got hardwood floors, stainless steel appliances, and a newly finished basement. Wismer is a great family neighborhood with top-ranking schools. You've got Wismer Public School and Baroque Secondary School. Asif, you know Markham. What do you think about this neighborhood, and where exactly is it in Markham? This is a great little pocket. It's in between uh, Markham Road and Ninth Line, and it's around the 16th Avenue, Baroque Avenue area. So you've got great schools, lots of parks, all the amenities are right there, and with Highway 48, with all the construction and the amenities going in there, this is a great little area to be in. And it sounds like a, a lovely home. Three bedrooms, hardwood floors. It sounds just fantastic. It's been it's been updated and upgraded, and it's move-in ready. Okay, so Heather, one more time, the highlights of this property and where our listeners can get more information. This property is located at 18 Preble Drive in Wismer. 
And the property was just listed on the market and it's going to sell fast. The listing price on this one is only $938,000. And where can we get more information? For more information, they can contact Helen Liu at 905-554-5522. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Tina. Asif, that's our show for this week. Great show, Tina. Thanks, everyone. Remember, if you need to connect with Asif Khan or if you missed any part of On the Market, go to our website, 1059theregion.com. Thanks for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.